0: Welcome to In Season, where we explore the farms, gardens, and wild spaces of the lower Columbia Pacific region. I'm Teresa Retzloff. And I'm Jessica Schleif. And uh, welcome to another episode of In Season. I just said that, didn't I? We're here in, I'm just, it's funny. We've, we were talking, we haven't done this for a while. Um, we've been away from the recording for a little bit and uh, it's winter. It's winter, we're in the greenhouse, yep. listening to the rain
1: coming down checking our sound levels, saying, well, it's COVID time this and we're recording is... <laughs> in a greenhouse.
0: This is co- I know. So welcome to in-season COVID edition again. Uh, <laughs> Where it's... you can hear the rain, the gentle pitter-patter of the rain yes. on the greenhouse roof. We're hoping it doesn't drown us out at some point. But right now it's gentle. Um, it's certainly been heavy. It's the end of January. We're right at the cusp of February. Um, we're still deep in winter here. Well, so some of
1: these days, Teresa, yeah,
0: mm. I know I've, I've been down to a t-shirt a couple of times yep. um, when the sun's out and, but I feel like we always have that in the winter.
1: It's true. It's maybe a little bit earlier this year. It's true. Oh. It's, you know, uh, again, garden journals and kind of looking back or, or like mm-hmm. we've been saying our photos looking turning back into our, our photos. garden mm-hmm. journals. Some of it feels early seeing so many of these little bulbs popping up and putting out their green growth, but really kind of just right on time. Yeah. I mean Maybe a week or two, but I feel like
0: there's always a week or two that it kind of meanders. And so it's hard to say. It doesn't feel like it's been a really hard winter, Mm -mm. like a cold, cold winter. Mm -mm. We've had some cold winter, cold cold weather here um, in our region, but we haven't had a big snow yet, Um, at least down in the lower elevations um, near the ocean. And although we've been having more hard frosts out here at my farm, we're about 10 miles east of Astoria. Um, I know in town in Astoria and then closer to the ocean, it really doesn't seem like it's been freezing hard at all.
1: Yeah, we'll have, you know, th- things will, there's ice on the cars in the
0: morning, mm-hmm. but
1: I'm not seeing the huge like whole roofs covered in ice for very long. Mm-hmm. Things are defrosting very quickly in the morning. Yeah. Um, and I, I still have a lot of and things that have seeded, that are annuals, that there's just all kinds of babies in my garden mm-hmm. still that sometimes if we have these hard frosts, suddenly everybody's gone gone, and, and yeah. liquefied out there. But there's serenthe babies, there's, mm-hmm.
0: um, there's- A lot a, of calendula. There's
1: a lot of calendula and actual new calendula flowers that mm-hmm. are happening. Yeah, um, I've been really looking around at what's blooming right now, and it's fascinating of, to see. It is uh, my. I have a giant bank of Irene rosemary at the front of my property. Um, it, it's just been blooming for months. Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Just the, I That don't... prostrate rosemary. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been blooming literally almost through the winter. Wow! But really, kind of pouring it on these days. On some of these warmer days, I'm still seeing, I'm still seeing the bees out. I'm still seeing bees pop out and visit the rosemary, which just seems
0: exciting and. It it feels weird, but it's also great for the bees to have some food when they do yeah. pop out on those warmer days. Sarcococca. Um,
1: What's sarcococca? Sarcococca is an evergreen shrub that uh, I have in a lot of the gardens because it is such an early bloomer mm-hmm. and evergreen and fragrant. And that is just going to town right now in lots of different places. The witch hazel is happening. Mm-hmm. I have... Um, uh, is it this yel- whi- a yellow, blue, go go ahead.
0: No, no, I, I was just gonna say, isn't this when Daphne starts to bloom? Yes, the
1: Daphne's oh, have been blooming oh, and some of them are blooming all through the that's winter. That's
0: the most amazing fragrance.
1: Winter jasmine, that's what okay. I was thinking of. I was like, what is that yellow blooming vine? The winter jasmine, and I think I pointed that out to you the last mm-hmm. time you came to my garden, which
0: yeah, was at least
1: two months ago. So, and that is still blooming and attracting hummingbirds. Along with the fuchsias, a lot of fuchsias still going at my place and various gardens.
0: It's encouraging. I, I mean, I, I try. I, so every once in a while, I get really freaked out about climate change and is this, you know, end times signs that you know we're suddenly transforming into Mediterranean climate or are we going to become California? Um, but then I also think, well, you know, the earlier blooms uh, are nice for some birds and. Pollinators that, you know, are trying to make it work for them. If they're as they're overwintering here, mm-hmm. um, some of these um, things. It's just
1: the natural, you know. It the is. The is coming on mm-hmm. now. We've had hellebore blo- hellebores blooming for a couple mm-hmm. of months.
0: Um, and and those are things that happen this time of year. And I feel like in the time that I've lived here, you know, I, I feel like I see these sort of migrations where it's like maybe a couple of weeks early this year, a couple of weeks mm-hmm. late last next year. Every once in a while you get one of those years where it's like, you know, it snows in April and it just feels like, oh, <laughs> But, or it stops raining at the end of March. Yeah. Um, but those feel more like outliers. I feel more like, overall, this is what winter is like here. And it's gonna be wet, it's gonna be cold, some things will bloom. Every once in a while we'll get a cold snap. I feel like the big indicator is when the daffodils start to bloom because they're starting to come up now, all the different daffodils, narcissus, those bulbs you were talking about, they all start to cup, and I feel like when they start to bloom, you know that that's when it's gonna snow, because it feels almost inevitable. They start to bloom, and then we get hit by hail, or (laughs) snow, or something, because I have just vivid memories of, that's like, I almost feel like there's something about those flowers opening like those butterfly wings that cause a hurricane on the other side of the planet. It's like the the, the daffodil flowers opening causes some sort of atmospheric disturbance that causes it to snow. That's my theory.
1: Uh, you know, and I can I can think of many a year that those first narcissus mm-hmm. and the snow comes down. Yep. but they're made for that. They're
0: they and they can that. they can handle it. you know, and you still get these beautiful flowers that are blooming and. It's I think it's just one of those things where this time of year is, is tricky and and if we if we talk about what kind of things do you do in the garden this time of year, it can be tricky and I think you have to be guided by the weather and here's what's what I like doing in happening. the garden this time
1: of year. I like going out there and seeing that witch hazel blooming or seeing that one quince blooming or uh-huh. seeing the first Let's see willows because somehow that thaws out my wintertime part, mm-hmm. even though we might get snow still, mm-hmm. even yeah. though, you know, it's not a guarantee somehow seeing those little blossoms that it, it really is their time of year. Mm-hmm. And that just, I don't know, it defrosts me a little. It gets me out on those days where it does warm up. I think, oh, Look, there's life happening mm-hmm. out here. It's starting. Yes, yeah.
0: and it's also a good time to rest. I mean, I think that there's something about winter time where you don't need to feel guilty about not getting out into your garden, especially you know on a day when it's pouring down rain and the soil is soaking wet. Oh no! Yeah. And everything's just feeling kind of grim. That is an absolutely perfect day to sit inside with a cup of tea or coffee or your warm beverage of choice. Seed catalogs, or maybe like you're, you're drawing out a plan for your garden, or you know thinking about perennials you want to add to your garden. This is great, great garden chores to do on or those just kind of reading days. reading a
1: book about gardens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? just be
0: inspired by things, but don't don't push yourself to try to do too much, too early, mm-hmm. um, because you can also get into trouble. Planting things out too early,
1: or in, or in planting things out too early. Also, um, our soil structure is really important, and I know we've talked about this in the past. But when we've had this much rain, going in and walking on that soil, you
0: can really, um, you can really compact things, and it happens quite easily. Mm-hmm. And and working it, digging in it, turning it over when it's this wet, you can also cause. Um, you know, other kinds of compaction, you cause clumping to happen. Mm -hmm. That's probably not a technical term, but I just feel like when I try to work the soil when it's too wet, because we have um, a a high amount of clay in parts of our soil here, it's kind of a clay silt loam mix. But I notice that if I've worked some beds, I've been a little bit over enthusiastic and worked them a little too early, that's when i get those big clumps Yeah, that's
1: when the clay the joins hard. up all, any any oxygen and, yep.
0: that was in there disappears mm-hmm, Just gone <laughs> and it turns into concrete and yeah. <laughs> and then it can take a whole season of really thick mulch and being very careful to try and break it down again so it you're not really benefiting anything by getting out there super early and trying to yeah. get stuff dug in yeah it's okay to wait it's
1: great time though if you do get some of those sun breaks Mm -hmm. you do feel like yeah you know touching touching your garden great time for dead wooding in fruit trees so explain Uh, what that is um so just get looking into your canopy um i'm doing this in a lot of uh deciduous shrubs or deciduous trees Um, where I'm looking into the canopy or the shape of the shrub and just looking for wood that's dead.
0: Mm -hmm. And Uh, cutting that out. And
1: cutting that out, yeah. Uh, With the fruit trees, going in and cleaning up around the bottom. You know, if you can can reach into that drip line area without having to squish around a lot there. Mm -hmm. Um, Doing some cleaning up major weeds, maybe mulching. Are you doing any fertilizing? I know that we're getting into some of those times. I know that um, this next month is, is you know, uh, they suggest to use lime on the fruit trees. Last month was a dormant stray, spray, but th- this is a time that you can always check in with um, your nursery, your mm-hmm. local nursery, other local gardeners and, and. Um, And check on what you're supposed to be doing with your fruit trees. Uh, (laughs) I am not an expert, but I do know some of these months now, January, Mm -hmm. February, they are important months just for like general cleanup. Mm -hmm. um,
0: Would you say that's true of berries as well? If you have blueberry plants or...
1: Yeah, I think it's a good time for any of those um, fruit, like berries or rhubarb or... um,
0: yeah, we're I mean, we're seeing our rhubarb start to emerge here. So this is when, you know, you go in and get weeds out. Yeah, take
1: the competition scratch in, out. Yep, take scratch the competition in some fertilizer,
0: out. put some mulch out and, you know, try to get them set up so that when they do start to emerge, they're in good place.
1: Yeah, and I am, I'm around the drip line of blueberries. I am adding fertilizer, knowing that it's probably not gonna feed them immediately, but then when it warms mm-hmm. up, that that's going to be there for them also um what fertilizer do you use on blueberries you know that is an acid loving they're acid lovers Mm -hmm. Uh, and to be honest i don't use a, a fertilizer that's specific for berries but i use a an acid loving fertilizer that i'll also use for azaleas hydrangeas um Japanese maples mm-hmm. uh, there are many of our um, woodland plants that are also acid lovers and with the blueberries, I'm also putting on um, a, a little a little bit of sawdust, a little bit of pine chip around the edges, or something that's going to break down pretty
0: easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I mean, I, I'm new to growing blueberries. I've just started planting them here at the farm, and so I'm learning about it Yeah, as I go. But it's interesting, my sister's just recently moved to town last year and has inherited some beautiful, big old blueberry plants. And so she's asking me all these questions, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm, let me ask. I'm going to ask Jessica. Yeah, yeah <laughs>
1: and with the blueberries kind of going in mm-hmm. there and looking, looking within them, same thing, deadwooding, mm-hmm. taking out dead wood, looking at older branches.
0: I had been told to prune off like the like the oldest two yep. to three branches. Which is really,
1: really hard to do, and you're looking and some, down at sometimes the sometimes those are
0: big. And
1: sometimes those are big, and sometimes I don't follow that rule perfectly. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll take one of those out or two of those out and look at where my new growth is. But I kind of treat the blueberries like I would... A lot of other shrubs or small trees, where I'm looking into them, and I'm looking at where there's repeats, and I'm I'm trying to create a little bit of spacing between the branches. So not having of, things crossing. Not having things crossing, and and I don't do that a hundred percent because sometimes mm-hmm. you're just actually looking at where the fruit's gonna happen, mm-hmm. and I might leave some things that. Maybe they're crowding a little or crossing a little, but I think, oh, I'm going to have that fruit this year, yeah. so it's
0: worth it. <laughs> um, which might be different when you think about pruning a rose, although you still want flowers, which essentially is the same. Yeah, but the thing. roses
1: are a lot tougher. I feel like I feel like you can you can prune a rose down to you know below your knee.
0: Well, depending level. on if it's grafted. You don't want to but prune it below the true. graft.
1: You don't want to prune it below the graft. Most are grafted at the ground, though some of them have those weird standard.
0: Yeah. Grafts. I would say if, you, if you're if you not sure about your roses, really try to look and see where a graft might have been. for where. So that would be where the, the variety, the blooming variety, was grafted onto a rootstock that may be more disease-resistant or you know, will affect its size. A lot of standard tea roses and things like that. Or if you get those ones that are like, they look like they, they're really straight. The lollipop. The lollipop ones. Let's ignore the lollipop well, ones. Well, you know, <laughs> some people really like those lollipops. So the graft
1: on that is really high, but yeah. the, uh, the graft on many other roses is almost ground level.
0: Yeah. So you, or, but, or hopefully mm-hmm.
1: below ground level.
0: Yeah. And and. F- February is usually when, if I remember to prune my roses, that's when I do it. Yeah. I oftentimes don't, and I've been really bad, neglectful the last few years. But I think this year I'm going to really try and get in there. And I don't have many roses. Yeah. But I have a few. And And
1: there's some ramblers that I just... Let them go. I just let them go. I might go in there every once in a while and, again, prune out older canes.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Stuff that doesn't look healthy. Stuff that
1: doesn't look healthy. Big crossers. um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, things that have damage on the cane. But as far as, as far as some of the, I am taking a lot of those down later in February. I'll do an early winter um, kind of general prune, mm-hmm. and then really hit, take down some of them pretty hard in the... At the,
0: at the end of February. So is that around when you would really go for it with some of the shrubs, or things that you might be waiting to cut back, or perennials, or maybe you've left some of those, those stalks up for or you just haven't kind of cut them back yet. I think about a, like a, like a rosemary. Yeah. If I really want to prune my rosemary so that I get a lot of new growth on it this year, that would be more like an end of February. That
1: would be a good, that would be a good time to be looking at it. You could be looking at it mid-February too, mm-hmm. but taking things down as they're going to be putting on the new growth is, yeah. is helpful.
0: I think one of the questions I had about that um, was because when you, when you prune something, you're essentially stimulating growth. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes if you prune something too early, it'll start growing again, but that new growth is very tender. And mm-hmm. then if we get a hard frost, you get a lot of tip burn and like the tips of the new growth will be brown. That happened with our rosemary last year. We had a late, some late frosty weather. I want to say in, in March or even April, we had some real cold snaps. and for a lot of the early part of the season my rosemary looked terrible right. like all the tips were just brown because it had gotten frozen and it was a was this new year
1: for rosemary though i lost a lot of rosemary's last year newer mm. ones that weren't mm. fully established yeah um some of the varieties... so, well you're saying it wasn't just me well the thing that you're speaking of is true mm-hmm. you know if you're pruning i i'm i'm so reticent to say too early because really there's no you know, there's no super mm-hmm. wrong or super right. You're not going to just kill your rosemary, but mm-hmm. yes, if you're pruning it,
0: it may not, dead not in look the
1: winter as beautiful. And your new stuff is coming out with any without any protection.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yes,
1: that that could happen, but it doesn't mean you're going to kill your plant.
0: Well, that's good. <laughs> not killing plants is one of my goals. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, it is nice to wait for some of those things till mid-February later February Mm -hmm. and I still am leaving I'm going into the gardens and I'm doing bits and pieces of cleanup I'm taking down some of the ornamental grasses but a lot of the things I'm still leaving up Mm -hmm. I'm still figuring that there might be buddies in some of those stalks, using that as habitat and I am waiting till mid or later in February depending on what our weather is like
0: yeah and that's the hard thing too is we just don't know Weather is hard to predict you know and, and that I, I think is one of the joys and challenges of gardening and farming is that you're at the mercy of weather. Nature has the last word in all of these things. And so as much as we might try to plan things on a schedule and say by the third week in February, you should have done XYZ, you know again, it depends on where you are. It yeah. depends on where you you know and even within our region it depends on do you live right next to the ocean, do you live? 30 miles inland which which is your microclimate but it also depends on the weather and and you can't i I, you can kind of have guidelines about when you do things but part of it's also noticing what's the weather doing and and taking opportunity where it shows up if you get a beautiful stretch of gorgeous weather in the second week of february that might be the week that that stuff happens as opposed to the last week in february Mm -hmm. and it's going to be just fine ultimately i I've, I've, I've killed very few plants that way. Yes. yes. I mean, I've certainly killed a lot of plants in my times, but, <laughs> um, but not usually that way. Yeah, so. once
1: they're in the ground, mm-hmm. you know, out of pots. Yeah. I'm, I'm prone to occasionally yeah. killing plants in pots.
0: <laughs> One thing I did want to point out when you were talking about pruning and taking out um, dead or diseased wood, is to think about um, what you're doing with that wood and not just yes. composting it, yeah. not just leaving it on the ground um, yep. underneath the plant, but as if it is diseased, and this would be good for you know, roses, if they've got you know, black spot or other things on them, um, Rose, apple trees, yeah. fruit trees.
1: And, and these, both these things are mm-hmm. things that I often don't use in the compost mm-hmm. pile, especially roses especially roses, um, most of the time you've kind of cleaned up your leaf litter from your Mm -hmm. fruit trees by now.
0: Yeah. Um, so you're not really,
1: well, that would be
0: a a good thing. Ooh, was I supposed to do that? I was supposed to do that. Okay. Um,
1: and then, you know, when you are, when you are going in there and doing some of this February, late February fruit tree pruning, um, yeah, if stuff is really diseased, if you're having an issue with a tree, which is mm-hmm. not uncommon, if you have scab, if you have other bacterial things that were happening during the year, yeah, disposing of that. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and, and like in a green waste can? In a green second. waste
1: can. We're so lucky in Astoria these days to have these big, giant green cans. That, I don't. Yeah, I know. I mean, if
0: you so if you live in the county it, or you live in a town that doesn't do green waste, composting um,
1: fire fire is always good and i know i know that that's a a thing that um lots of people use and i've like seen like burn it out barrels here. Yep. yeah a little burn barrel if you've got some funky stuff um that's mm-hmm. always a good way to dispose of it but say you have really not gone out and done your cleanup and we talk about this about the mm-hmm. tomatoes and things like that still that foliage you want to go ahead and dispose of that mm-hmm. stuff you know if you've had some tomatoes in a greenhouse or something like that and you haven't gotten to them.
0: They got powdery mildew over them. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike I'm sitting in Teresa's
1: greenhouse where there is no evidence of any debris from this last season. It is very
0: tidy in here.
1: But sometimes that can be a thing and, and just the, the yeah, especially but if you, those tomato yeah.
0: foliage. Well, and, and I think if you do have some kind of greenhouse space, just bear in mind that those can often be breeding grounds yeah. for a lot of they fungal diseases because from last year. you don't have good airflow. And I try on days like this to, if I can leave the doors open and let the wind blow through, just like kind of let it air out a little bit. It's not quite as good as if we just took the, all the plastic off and let the rain fall on the ground, but um, well, it's a pretty extensive operation to take plastic off. So, <laughs> yeah. um, and get it back on again. So we don't, we only do that when we're replacing the plastic, but There's all kinds of things to think about depending on your environment, depending on where you're growing, different things, but paying attention to possible disease, um, looking for early signs of insect damage. Um, those are plants that you definitely want to get out of there. Yeah. I've had some we have a bunch of leafy greens growing in our greenhouse now and I've seen some aphids show up on some of those. So I've done some spot treatment, but also sometimes just yanked some plants out. Yeah. And disposed yeah. of them if it looked like it was getting too bad. Yeah. And that's just something you gotta do. And that's something to
1: look at outside too. Mm-hmm. I was really surprised the other day as I was taking off foliage from hellebores to kind of let these beautiful blooms come out and knowing that there's new foliage coming and sure enough I had some aphids on the undersides of some of those leaves in some protected spots mm-hmm. so
0: because it's been warm it has ish.
1: just kind of looking at that stuff those mm-hmm. were things that I threw away instead yeah. of putting into the compost pile and yeah. I'm not seeing a lot of that but just keeping your eye out observation and the observation doesn't even have to lead to work yeah, you know. But just paying attention. We're just paying attention. Out
0: One there. other thing I think to pay attention to this time of year um, for those of you that did do edible gardens and maybe had um, kale or collards or something like that growing through the winter and you still have those plants in your gardens, what you're going to start noticing now is that a lot of them are going to start sending up flower shoots. Um, Which are completely edible and very tasty. They are completely <laughs> edible and very tasty. I always want to like advocate for this. Um, they're, they're, uh, it's, it's similar to a plant called broccoli rob. Um, It's a a brassica that's grown for these little little sort of side shoot broccolini kind of things and Mm -hmm. the leaves are sort of spicy. Oh, I'm
1: glad you're talking about that.
0: Um, So uh, what you often will hear is farmers uh, refer to kale rob, Mm -hmm. you know, or collard rob. Um, I don't know if this is necessarily a a true technical term, but the flowering stalks, if you get them before they flower, they do look like little tiny broccolini stems and just snap those off and treat it like you would broccoli. Just chop it up, saute it. It's the most delicious Second crop from those plants and just know that you can kind of delay the flowering a little while by snapping off the rob Yeah, and enjoying it at some point those plants are going to flower If you can let them flower for a little bit because those early brassica flowers are some of the the bees and insects just go nuts for them Yeah,
1: and and they're a great early food source. This is such a um, perfect example of something that years ago I really fell into step with the um, you know, the the mainstream landscaping community like, okay, now it's flowering, so that's done. Rip it out, like mm-hmm. with the ornamental kales. And I mean, they are just, they're gorgeous. Yeah. And you're talking about food kales,
0: you know? I'm talking about food kales as well, but you know, which I think more and more people are incorporating food into their gardens in some way. And kale is such a great overwintering plant out yeah. here but you do see them starting to go and it's challenging. Cause you know, we're, the, ours are starting to flower and it's right around the time we're like, I need them to get, I need those beds. Yeah. I got to pull them out yeah. and I'm always fighting. Doing my fr- that my, well, yeah, and my friend Jane always comes over and is like, leave them for the bees. And I'm like, but I need the bed. I've got to get them out of there, but I try to leave some and I try to always have some going or leave them for an extra week just to give those early insects a, a nice food source.
1: And, and also if you're a, a A newer vegetable gardener, you've got one of those kales, some of those kales going to seed, leave one. Mm -hmm. Let it complete that process. Yeah. You know, really let it go to seed and let those seed pods form. And I know it's giving up some space, um, but it is amazing to be able to develop some of those things like arugula or kale in a perennial way in your garden. Yeah.
0: Because they'll reseed themselves.
1: They will. And it's really fun (laughs) to see those seed wands (laughs) mature. And be able to take those around and shake seed out of them in different
0: areas in your garden and watch
1: all these little babies come up that's really exciting oh.
0: i know i'm getting excited about spring now <laughs> this is so cool oh my goodness well thank you jess for oh. your wisdom about pruning and winter chores thank you uh, Teresa this has been for... a good a good chat It's always a good reminder to get things done But not too much. But not too much. This time of year. Enjoy the winter.
1: Thanks for joining us today for In Season.
0: Thank you so much. And uh, stay warm and as dry as you can. And talk to you next time.